Hi, welcome to the Melrose Show. Melrose here. If you've listened to this intro before, you can click the forward button now eight times to get to the start of this episode. So before this version of myself, I was an artist, fashion designer, professional model, TV personality, small business owner, real estate agent, placement agent, and an institutional financial advisor, all before stepping into my current role, which I love in investor relations and podcasting professional. It was a wild ride to get here. And after all those jobs, living in six countries, 16 different cities, and trying on many versions of myself, I have found that the best place to live is comfortably in my purpose and in a space and a community that allows me and wants to see me grow. And I want the same for you through my highly versatile career path and working with others on their dreams along the way, I decided to start this podcast to try to help people understand that life is not a race, it's a marathon, career is not a ladder, it's a jungle gym, and that I really believe truly the best way in life is following curiosity. My curiosity has me focused on career, plants, shadow light and integration work, art, permaculture, and community building. These are my purposes in life. And for me, they all go together. They're topics that we will explore together throughout time on this podcast. And I come here to connect you to unique ideas from incredible people. The aim is to help us all grow more into our purpose-driven lives. This podcast supports a community of amazing humans that meet on full moons to howl and heal. We are a global community. Many are interviewed on this podcast. And I invite you to join us offline after the show. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this exploration journey with people from around the world who have self-actualized in their lives in some way. Hopefully, they will inspire you in your own authentic journey. Enjoy! Today, we are joined by Gabriella Smith. She is the founder of The Upcycle Project. She is a TEDx speaker and regional director of FGCI South Florida. Gabriella is a sustainability expert for the fashion industry and an incredible woman all around. She is wearing a lot of hats, being a business owner, expert and speaker, mom, and wife. Let's get started. Hi, Gabriella. Thanks for joining us. So I think you explained it really well. Um, Yes, I am wearing a lot of hats right now. Um, I guess we always wear them, but right now you have to wear them all at once within the same space. So um, that's been a little bit challenging. But yes, I'm a mom um, to one beautiful five-year-old, and um, I have two stepdaughters, eight and four, that I love equally. And thankfully, we're all here together, and they all play all day, every day. Um, So that's been really exciting. But um, also, I've been trying to work with my sustainability hat and my sustainable fashion hat, which is really what gets me the most excited um, to get up in the morning every day. And it's um, not that my children don't get me up in the morning. Well, you know, something fun, you know, <laughs> some other than, you know, learning the alphabet and the sounds that the words make. 
um, you know, sustainable fashion is, um, has been a passion of mine for the last, you know, five years. And that's why I started the Upcycle Project, which um, focuses on, you know, creative circular solutions to um, use the resources that we have available to us um, to, to make fashion. And how did you go down that path? Like, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to um, understand the importance of fashion and sustainability, because not everybody has got that memo. <laughs> uh, no. I don't know how by now, it's like the biggest word in fashion, but it's Well, you know word. what? You know what's been great is that um, the last three years has, have, has been like exponential growth. You know, you had like a few yes. people talking about the subject, um, and now you have, you know, massive brands speaking about sustainability. Everyone has sustainability in their brand strategies. So it's now, you know, in the mainstream, I don't believe it's a trend. And I think that it's going to take some time to see brands um, adapt their models to sustainability. But um, I'll tell you the story about like how I came to it. Um, mm -hmm. I grew up, so I grew up in Venezuela and my dad is a food biologist. So he used to make like different food flavorings and different things <laughs> so, um yeah super random but um I used cool. to go with him. yeah it's cool i mean i loved it because i grew up with um i grew up going through a lot of factories and like kind of figuring out how things were made and and like looking at the supply chain of my favorite chip you know my venezuelan chip which is like a mm. like a take on the cheeto like a puff cheeto you know yeah so my dad used to make the flavoring and the color for this like puff cheesy corn thing. <laughs> it was cool. Wait, hold on. I got to back up a little bit. Those things don't come with the orange that sticks on your hand. They put that there. Yeah, they put it. And it's actually really <laughs> interesting on how they get it to stick because like getting that powder to stick on that chip is like, it's really, it's science. It's really cool. But why do they need that powder there? It's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the customer, you know, it leaves um, it's like a signature, the signature, the signature Torture set. with like your product? I don't know. Yeah. You know, you know you've eaten Cheetos and your hands are completely orange. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I grew up like in this whole supply chain kind of manufacturing um, life, but also in the lab, right? So my dad would be like, oh, like, what do you think of this? And he like hands me a beaker with clear liquid. And I was like, oh my God, like, no, thank you. And um, he's like, no, try it what? He's like, smell it first. I was like, oh, it smells delicious. It's peach juice. But it's like, again, it's a clear liquid, right? So, wow. um, and I was like, what is this? And he's like, that goes into your peach juice. And so of course that was like the last time I ever had peach juice. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so my food habits have like, are really strict because of all of this like weird knowledge I learned as a child. Um, I don't know why I was with him all the time. You know, I was like, where was it? Why wasn't I in school? <laughs> but anyway, I was like spending a lot of time with him in the lab and I really enjoyed it. And I saw vividly, like very first handedly, the shift between conventional food and organic food. Right. So I remember like my, my dad's hippie friends would like, you know, be like in these organic markets and like buying organic foods. And my dad was just like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's this whole organic movement happening. And I was like, why? You know, and he's like, blah, 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 blah. And he would like kind of tell me about the organic food stuff. And so when now organic food becomes mainstream and we have whole foods and everybody really understands, you know, the effects of organic food versus conventional food into our, into our planet and into our bodies, you know, this whole thing happens. So when I um, started thinking about what to do next after I, um, 
I, I quit my job at a beauty company and that I loved really, I really loved that job, but um, I really wanted to get into fashion. But then I said, you know what, why don't we get into fashion in a way that, that is organic, that we can create that kind of movement. But I knew that organic fashion wasn't going to be a thing. And I was like, well, what, what is the thing in fashion that we look for? So we look for ethically made clothes. We look for sustainable materials. We look for non-toxic materials. So that whole thing became my search into sustainability, if that makes sense. What, was this in Venezuela or were you in Miami then? I was or? already in Miami. I, was, okay. I, I had been living in Miami now for, now I've been living here for 20 years, um, which is awesome. crazy. Awesome. Um, <laughs> How time flies. It is funny when you can start saying you've done things for 20 years. Like that happened to me the other day and I was like, whoa. I know. That's, well, I've lived good. for 20 years. I don't know if I've done anything <laughs> consistently for 20 years. <laughs> I've gone by the name Melrose for 20 years. That's about it. But it's a long time. Um, I know. <laughs> what were you doing in beauty? So I managed um, like five or six um, prestige and luxury beauty brands, um, through sales, right? So I was an area sales manager. Okay. I, gotcha. I managed, uh, Latin America, Central America, the Caribbean, Mexico, and North America, you know, not all at the same time, but they would split you up, um, with through regions and stuff. And it was amazing. Cause you got to learn so much about, you know, different markets and stuff. So it was cool. The way, the way that we got connected was because I, you know, I, I had a clothing company for six years and I um, moved it to the U S and I had been manufacturing in Bali, which was great. I worked with a very ethical factory. They, you know, provided everyone in the factory was like married. So like the pattern maker was married, to the seamstress and like the, the embroidery girl was married to like the shipping guy. And like everyone in there was a couple. It was really hilarious. There were like 40 people that lived there and then all their kids um, and then they all lived in an area that was like a land that the owner owned and they all, they provided food and shelter and, and schooling for all the kids. And it was a really happy, like nice place. It was a, a really family business. It was a very interesting. Um, I, it was very happenstance. I ended up manufacturing there. But what I noticed was when I would go to get things dyed, the dye was, you know, where's that water going? It's going back into the ground source. You know, when I got the fabric, it's like, where's this fabric coming from? And there was a lot, there was very little transparency um, in my life with uh, fashion until I started manufacturing. And then I noticed right. that, you know, cause I was living there going, driving a little moped, like into the factory with fabric every day. Wow. Like actually this is really interesting. And, and after five years, you know, I, I just, ethically couldn't really do it anymore. You know, I had a major breakdown. I didn't want to do it anymore. I wasn't, I was trying to wear all the hats, but for me at that point, it was probably five years ago, four years ago, no, five years ago. But the, the problem for me, which I'm, I'm hoping is changing, which I think will, you know, you're a part of this. And I think that I'm noticing there are slowly becoming more and more resources to build your brand in a sustainable ethical way there's becoming more awareness around the validity of certifications and which ones matter and which right. ones are honest and like so there's there's just so many things to do in that space and i just needed i had been in the fashion industry for 15 years i needed to step back but i wanted to meet somebody who knew about these systems so one of my friends said oh you got to meet this girl she's got this thing called the upcycle project and so you and i have been talking for a while and we've had a few great conversations but, um, but now watching you through the quarantine, like just 
you know, really zeroing in on what you're actually doing is fascinating. So I think the first time that we had lunch, we talked about um, what you were doing pre-quarantine. So I guess let's talk about what you've been up, how you've been building upcycle pre-quarantine and then what you've been doing during quarantine, because I'm just so amazed. (laughs) Thank you. You're so nice. Um, You're doing it. I mean, it's, um, it's honestly been a project that has grown um, organically and, and because we didn't really realize like where we could go with it at the beginning, um, we started with education because honestly, we believe that sustainability starts with the designer and designers have to go to school. Well, not all of them, obviously, but, um, but you know, the designers that are in school, the students that are studying design, I think it's important that they go through a sustainability curriculum and do hands Totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we didn't. We had not one single class on sustainability when I got my degree. <laughs> right. I mean, because it wasn't it wasn't something that the industry was asking for, you know, or the consumers. So the market wasn't asking for it, and um, and nobody was asking the questions. Really. And you actually couldn't do it if you wanted to survive. Like if you wa- you couldn't charge those prices because people exactly. didn't they didn't understand why you had to charge those prices. Exactly. So it would have to been be a really really niche brand. Um, right. So- so that's exactly why we started with students. We would, um, you know, donate different products, um, not products, but um, donated materials. So uh, things that people forgot in the dry cleaners. So button down shirts that are forgotten. Um, the dry cleaners donated it to us. In turn, we donated it to um, the design students. We did a small sustainability workshop and then they presented their projects. We've been lucky because we've been able to partner with fashion platforms like Miami Fashion Week or um, Paraiso Swim Week. Um, amongst others, but um, those have been really powerful places to be able to showcase student work that is upcycled, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so after that, we, um, so that's, that was like our main focus to work with students. Um, then we started working with the platforms directly and with the brands that brought us to, you know, like different upcycle challenges where we would offer cash prizes and then the the different brands would donate um, dead stock material. The students would intervene them and recreate really cool pieces. So, you know, it was always about raising awareness. So our mission as um, the Upcycle Project was to raise awareness on the waste that the sustainable, that the fashion industry creates, right? So yep. I raise awareness without having it be, you know, something like a chore, like, oh, I have to hear and come learn about this. You know, like we want to make it fun because fashion is fun. It's a form of expression. Um, so we really try for students to to have fun with the upcycle projects that they do. Mm. Absolutely. So after you know going through a lot of awareness challenges and and, and awareness you know workshops and, and projects etc., we said like okay now we're raising all this awareness and we're telling people that this problem exists and that there is 85 billion pounds of waste that go into the landfill every year, but oh, we're not God. doing anything to fix it. <laughs> Say that number again, just so the listeners get it, register it. Right. So there's 25 billion pounds of textile waste that go into the landfill every year into, in, in the U.S. alone. That's around oh. 70 pounds per person. Okay. So that's like, that includes your socks and, you know, the things that you don't donate, like, I don't know, dirty sheets or old towels. I mean, things that you just kind of throw away without thinking about. What is 25 billion pounds? What can you compare that to? It's like the size of Earth. It's like, what does that <laughs> It's like, okay, so it, like, I think that the best way for me to think about it is 70 pounds 
Um, per person. Okay. If, exactly. If you think that you can carry on an airplane is 50 pounds, like a full luggage, 50 pounds. That's why you can carry on, the, on your airplane. So think about like your full, the biggest carry on and plus like a whole full body uh, suitcase. That's what you would throw away every year. Wow. That's probably pretty accurate, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't feel like a lot per person, but then if you multiply it by the population, then it's just like a lot. And where are these landfills? <laughs> they're everywhere. Wait, you know, are they're, they so people have to live by They're that? in a corner near you. <laughs> I don't know. Like, just that's a whole nother podcast uh, episode. But, like, what? Okay. Sorry. Yeah, so okay. landfills are actually pretty fascinating. Um, there's, you know, I live in Miami, so there's no hills, right? But there's, oh. like, there's landfills around us on the west side, you know, of, of kind of, like, the west side of, the, of our city. Um, and you see the hills and sometimes the kids are like, oh my God, mom, look, there's a, there's a mountain. And I was like, no, that's a landfill. <laughs> we ski, we ski on them in Michigan. Right? Really? Yep. Yep. Wow. I, I grew up, people are like, you were on the ski team in Michigan. I'm like, yep, landfills. That's where it's at. <laughs> Way. That's, I mean, I don't, so there was a person who told me the other day and they're like, you know, after, um, the landfills are capped off then they have a they have a time where they sit still like when nobody's allowed on them and then they oh, yeah. reopen them as as recreation or parks or whatever yeah you like build on them you know like you're like okay <laughs> well is it not going anywhere you know so i mean i don't know what the effects or the impact of that is i it's i don't want to live near there it's it's honestly it's really it's a little bit scary i, I don't think that we look through the impact of the things that we do no, and that's the problem to me. That's the, that's, you know, this is the fight my mom and I have all the time because, you know, she is a boomer. And, you know, I guess when you're in an industrial revolution and you're coming out of war and you're building things, you don't really think about the repercussions. But, you know, now I think we're conscious enough to have a conscious capitalism. Like we don't have to, like companies that make water bottles should have to, you know, they sell water, like they're draining the water, they're losing the rivers, they're putting those plastic bottles back in the water, like there should be accountability if that is your business, you know? I agree. No, I so agree. It's just, yeah, it's just crazy that we still operate under a societal structure that is so damaging and, and, and that it takes people like you creating companies to spread awareness. <laughs> to right. like, like even, even the awareness. Think about it. Exactly. I mean, like, but even when you do things right, it also has an impact. But anyway. Let's go back so. to the 25 billion pounds of textile waste in the land of the U.S. <laughs> okay. okay. We're rewinding. So, okay. Perfect. So, right. So there's 25 billion pounds of textile waste that go into the landfill every year. Um, and we are raising awareness on this project, of this problem. Um, so what are we going to do about it? And that's when our recycled, our recycling program loop started we understand that there's post-consumer waste and then there's post-industrial waste, right? Post-industrial waste is something that comes straight from the factory where the garments are being made, okay? So think about your, I don't know, Fruit of the Loom mm -hmm. t-shirts and, you know, all of those, all of the scraps that come out of those, fa uh, those factories are industrial waste, right? It's all the same color, it's all the same fabric, it hasn't been used, great. But what happens with post-consumer waste, right? Whatever you're donating to the Goodwill or, or charities of your, of your picking, what happens to that waste? Can that be recycled? The answer is yes and no, right? 
So through our research, we found that it would be easiest for us to tackle the problem by channeling it through different waste streams of industry, right? So we started with school uniforms. Why? Because it has an educational perspective on it, because you can educate future generations that, and for them to understand that they can recycle uniforms. And uh, you, you recycle their textiles, I mean. And so that's, that's why we started with school uniforms. So the way that we do it is we call the principals of the school or, or the parents, the parents of the PTA, and we tell them like, look, we can collect all of the school uniforms that your students can no longer wear, your children, et cetera. We don't compete with the hand-me-down systems of the schools. We do, not, um, we do not compete with any sort of donation process that the school does. We only want the school uniforms that cannot possibly be worn by another child ever again. <laughs> um, There's we, probably a lot of those. Yeah, there, there's a ton, you know, and plus they grow out of them and, and you know, they're just, you wash them and the, the quality just kind of um, goes, goes, goes away. Yeah. Um, so, so we get those and right now we have three tons of uniforms um, in storage waiting to be shipped to a mechanical recycling facility to be turned back into yarn. And that yarn will be then turned back into product of, of our choice. <laughs> And I think I remember you saying that one of the reasons that you guys um, did school uniforms was also because the colors are like you can match the colors because if you have a bunch of different things with different colors, it's really hard to turn it back into yarn or there's exactly or something. Yes. So the sorting, we have to be able to sort everything by the material type and also by color. It has to be clean of any sort of button, zipper, elastic anything other than just the fabric right so uh, yeah so that we can make something that's you know the same so wow you, so that's red... like a whole business in and of itself you know yes, yes. oh my gosh yeah. so okay that's well really, that's really our baby right that's that's what we're super excited about because it's a yeah. problem solving kind of initiative and um that's why Post-COVID, we can now, we, we were able to like do the initiative with the masks that we're doing because we got a big donation of um, t-shirts that were um, misprinted. Yes, so let's talk about that. I love this one. So, um, so we're in five schools right now in Florida and we've collected three tons of, of textiles, right? And I presented to, um, I think the Chamber of Commerce right around the corner in my, in my city for a lot of And um, somebody sent me an email and they were like, hey, so-and-so um, said that you take old clothes. <laughs> and I was like, okay, sure, sure we do. And so- You're I, like, what do we got here? What do we got exactly, here? Exactly, I was like, all right, this is an interesting email. And so um, the lady was like, look, we are a promotional materials company and we have 7,500 shirts that were printed with the, with the incorrect date. And we can't oh. use them. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was my reaction too. And I was like, okay. And she's like, can we donate them to you? And I was like, absolutely. Where do I pick them up? I mean, it was like, it, I didn't even wait like three minutes to read the email. I was just like, yes, 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 yes. Like yes. where do we pick yes, it up? Yes, address, right get the truck. <laughs> Fire up the trucks. Seriously, so it was it was really exciting, and um, and so I we love went. Those to pictures, up. I love following this. This story was incredible. <laughs> Thank you. It's been fun. Um, it's an adventure following you on social media for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. 
It's like, so, you? <laughs> you're killing it, girl. Okay, so you go and pick up these, like, so, so many shirts. So many. So it's like, I totally underestimated how many t-shirts that was. I was like, oh my God. Like, so we have this whole room, this whole storage room filled with all these boxes of brand new t-shirts. And then the crisis happens, you know, everyone things in lockdown, et cetera. So it took me like a week. I saw some people um, making masks and I was like, oh my gosh, look, masks. Like, is this going to be a thing, you know? And, and yeah. it, never, it never occurred to me. And I was like, oh, wow, that's great. Masks. Great. I didn't even think about the t-shirts at this point. Four a.m. Exactly. So I was kind of like worried about my son's school. I was like, oh my God, am I going to have to homeschool? Like, what's going to happen? Like, what is going on, you know? And I just literally, at four o'clock in the morning, I woke up and I was really? like, the t-shirts. <laughs> the t-shirts, the masks. Okay, this is amazing. So I literally, I wake up like at 8 a.m. I'm still in bed and... Um, and I'm texting like a whole bunch of people that I know that work directly with seamstresses uh, that I've worked in the past with. And I was like, hey, what are you doing with your seamstresses? Are they out of a job? Are they not out of a job? What are you doing with your company? You know, like asking them way too many questions for that early in the morning on Saturday. And uh, a lot of people were like, no, no, we're just going to wait and see what happens, whatever. And so I call one of like these amazing like mentor ladies that just come into your life. Yeah. Um, and I saw her and I was like, hey, so what are you up to? And she's like, actually, I'm talking to my Alibaba guy to be able to get like 100 million masks into the country right now. And I was like, yes, this is why I called you. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, look, I have a bunch of t-shirts that are sitting in storage. Uh, are your seamstresses out of a job right now? And she's like, yes, they are. Let's put them to work. And so thanks to her, you know, to her team of seamstresses that, are, that weren't working and another lady who um who works at a high-end retail store uh, bridal shop um we started the we started making masks and keeping them you know working and keeping their paychecks because oh if not they, they wouldn't be able to to work amazing this yeah so it was fun it's it's been fun so how many masks did you make so we've made around i think like 1500 masks already Oh, um, are they washable yes they're all washable um a lot of them have been from upcycled materials and other from upcycled um textiles that the designers had um and had. so there's some the gray ones that we have there's on the website we have gray ones that are those are all um from the t-shirts from the the donation of the t-shirts and then there's flower ones and like really cute ones that people can buy because now, now people are looking for design in you know the masks so now we have to like reinvent the design it's kind of right funny. like it needs to match this one outfit um exactly, yeah it's a little bit funny but yeah uh never underestimate fashion so it will always come up and shock you um so what what yeah let's throw out all of your um social so where can people buy the masks and do does the money from the mask go towards funding up cycle project Yes. So basically, so the money from the masks goes directly into paying the seamstresses and paying the costs associated with the masks. Like that's it. Awesome. We're not making a dollar <laughs> on mm -hmm. it at all. Yeah. Um, and then the people who donate through the website can also, um, those masks are directly donated to somebody in need. Okay. So um, what's the website? So it's upcyclefoundation.com. Okay. And that's going to be all the, all of her, like tags and websites 
um, will be on, on my podcast. You'll be able to find that. But um, if you want to throw them out there right now, people can write them down or look you up. Amazing. Yeah. It's at the Upcycle Project. Um, that's Instagram and upcyclefoundation.com is our website. Uh, and if you want to follow me personally and follow my adventures, um, <laughs> my personal life, it's at Gabriella Smith. And it is a, it's a wild ride because fashion is a wild ride. Um, okay. I have a few, few questions left for you. So um, what do you wish you'd known before you started down this like path? Hmm. That sustainable fashion is just like fashion. <laughs> just as torturous or like. It's just as, it's just, it's kind of the same feeling, you know, it's kind of the same. It doesn't matter that you're doing good for the planet, good for the people. There's still a lot of, you know, fashion personalities involved. So, <laughs> so yeah, it. not all as green as you would think. Got it. And, um, so let's say I'm a designer and I, and I want somebody to help me re like figure out how to make my company sustainable, zero impact or something like that. Can they contact you directly and work with you specifically? Yes, absolutely. So, um, thanks to this whole thing, like we've started consulting, um, emerging brands really that, that want to do things better. So how we do consulting is really celebrating what brands are doing right first you know right um because you know everybody everybody wants to do good you know i don't i haven't met the first person who doesn't care about anything um so you know maybe that's really that's even in florida <laughs> even in florida <laughs> i'm just kidding just kidding everybody okay um oh yeah okay so you start so you start by celebrating what friends are doing that works exactly so it's like okay so you're doing all of these things right and and we really talk to them about where they want to go and where what where the brand values lie and from there we we kind of like draw up a plan and on that plan we have goals and in those goals we have different um like keep performing like indicators to like reach those goals. It's like, okay, well, if you really care about animals then we're going to make sure that we, you shift all of the materials that you're using to cruelty free materials and, you know, different things like that. Or you can, you know, give back to a, a you know, PETA or your charity of your choice that supports animal welfare, you know? So, so things like yeah. that just align them with their values, but a lot yeah. of people don't, don't okay. start value driven, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. I think that ROC, that return on community is slowly going to be something. I gave a speech a long time ago that felt very ridiculous giving it in front of the community. I gave it in front of because the whole community based on this concept of return on community. But I basically gave a speech about how when I was kind of working with my company about how, you know, startup companies should have charitable spines. You know, if you have that doing good is good for business from the beginning, you know, you're ha having added value from, from the very start, which is, you know, so good to have that. I so agree with you on that. Yeah. If you could have, um, like one magical blessing, like some, like God of net, like God of the sea came out, and like granted you some magical like wish, what would you, what would you get? Wow, that is so big. No, we gotta think big on these things though, sister. Sea star. Like <laughs> um, okay, so 
wow, I really want, you know, I wish that people would see, <sighs> so the way that we impact everything, you know, I think that humans in general, we're all very self-centered. Uh, it's, it just comes with our personalities and, <laughs> and our, I guess, DNA. But mm -hmm. I wish we would be able to see past our lives with the with the impact that we have today. So imagine that today you brush your teeth and you left the water open, right? And so like that same moment, what is the impact of that moment in like a hundred years from now? You know, mm -hmm. we continue to do it. And if we all have like this like vision into the future about our habits today and how those habits are going to impact the world that we are going to leave behind, you know, it's almost like a time machine. That's what I'm asking for. Oh, oh my gosh. I love that you just asked for a time machine because that is, those are, everyone asks for something different, but I, you know, time machine is probably the best or like a vision, like a magic crystal ball. Exactly, like a portal just to, just to be able to, but like, to like the ripple effect, you know, of yeah. action. So like, what are the ripple effects of all of the actions that we take? Um, because eventually, I mean, the sustainability word as a whole, we, we're not going to see the impact of our actions right now, today. We're going to see them in years to come and maybe not even in the place that we live, you know? So we're doing, we're making a choice today for someone else, somewhere else in the future. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so true. I have such an embarrassing one, one second story. Um, <laughs> To say to this because when I was living with my best friend we were living in Boca um, and we were brushing our teeth one night and and I had the water running and he like shut it off and I was just like messing around with him and I turned it back on you know there's something soothing about the water running when you brush your teeth I guess and I was just being like a little you know sassafras and he was like no like like you really he had so much passion around it and and I respected that so much, you know, and, and actually I've always turned the water off since then. And I just, I guess I was, I didn't really get how, how important it was until he kind of showed it to me. And it, you know, I'm a very conscious person now, but I, I really needed someone to show me just that little tiny thing, you know, and I was an adult, I was 18 years old. Exactly. Point, and it's you know? like, oh, okay. Like, okay. Sorry. That <laughs> yeah. I'm like, sorry. I wanted the water running. He's like, yeah, but why? Like water is not an infinite resource. And I was like, oh, you're so true. It's so true. And you know, so you're involved. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, he's from South Africa. You know, he comes uh -huh. from a place they understand resource shortage, you know? And so, um, it, it was interesting. It was, it was very, it was good. And, and that's kind of one of those times when you're like, I don't know, I don't know everything. And actually when I think about where I'm from, you know, Michigan, we have a depleting, one of the greatest resources in this country, which are the great lakes. And, you know, you can't, those, those lakes are really suffering, you know, and, and even our rivers are drying up. So water, we're already seeing it. Like people right now are already seeing the effects of water shortages. So that is, you know, we're not going to have to wait 50 years to deal with that. It's just, can we deal with it before we, you know, before it happens? Like, before so that's the damage the, is too big. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anything that you want to say to people who are listening, I guess, um, who may or may not be on this sustainability fashion uh, bandwagon or understand it, or people who are on it but are frustrated with it, is there any like kind of 
you know, what's yeah. your, what's your, what's your parting kumbaya? System? Exactly. So, okay. So when it comes to sustainable fashion, I have a couple of tips that, that I use, you know, I broke up with fast fashion. So if you can break up with fast fashion, do so now. Yes. Okay. I love that. <laughs> I'm writing them down. <laughs> Before you buy anything, um, look into your closet first um, and take a minute to really think about why you are buying it, right? So it's like, do I want to buy this because I saw it on an influencer and I want to just look just like her? Or, you know, what is, the, what is the, real in, the real reason as to why you're shopping? Because you're bored, because you deserve it, whatever it is, just find the actual reason as to why you're doing it. Um, and that usually will tell you if you need it or if you want it. If you want it, I would just wait five minutes. <laughs> um, and just, you know, have a five minute rule before you press that button and buy stuff that you don't need. Um, so break up with fast fashion, look into your closet first, ask yourself why you're buying it. And if you come up to the answer, of like, you know, I really need this or I really want it for, you know, a very special occasion, great so what you're going to buy make sure that you're going to wear it at least 30 times right and then mm. also um look into the quality look into is it ethically made where does it come from is the brand at all communicating this um into their in, in their in their marketing materials etc you know so delay the shopping experience when it comes to fashion because i feel like in the states we've we we shop very quickly you know, mm -hmm. we saw the picture, we like it, we bought it, and it's instant almost. You know, now with Instagram, it's even faster. So yeah. just try to really delay that purchase and ask yourself these questions. And, you know, most of the time you're going to come to the answer is it's like, oh my gosh, you know what? I'm so glad I waited five minutes because I don't, I don't really need that other pair of jeans. That's so true. And I feel like everyone kind of looks the same. Like, I, I do feel like buying things because it's cool or like you liked it on somebody else like take the time to to develop your own style you know if you would if you would hand it down to your kids then you should buy it you know exactly but i mean even brands now you know like what are these brands stand for so like, totally what do, what do they stand for are they doing the right thing exactly so it's like i'm going to spend you know thousands of dollars in a handbag oh my god yes why why you know like why am i going to yeah. spend all these thousands of dollars you know that i could probably use to take a trip eventually somewhere <laughs> or help people that need help you know, you know i look i have my thousand dollar bags you know i have both but no, no so do i and i like love them and cherish them and i've had some of with my like that has been hand me down from my grandmothers and yeah now that i'm into this it's like man like what is that what does that brand communicate about me that i have like yeah. disposable income that i'm like that my grandma used to have really good style. I don't know, you know, like, so I'm like in this like kind of like wishy-washy place with like luxury brands um, at this moment. Totally, even the term disposable income to me as a financial advisor, it just makes me crawl in my skin. Cause it's like, you're technically literally throwing out your money, you know, like that money can make money, you know? Hello. Exactly. This is why I need you in that, that side of my life, but I need you also. <laughs> Yes, I have, you know, if anyone wants to see what, well, this is the other thing. This is why I do believe in purses is because they are an asset class and a very nice purse. You can resell it generally for not the same, but similar price. So I, I, purses are probably the one area that I won't, um, I don't like 
bust people's chops about it too much, but pretty much everything else, you know, I'm very similar to you. I, I don't do fast fashion anymore. And I used to slay in some of those stores. Um, but I, I just couldn't imagine um, being a part of that at this point, especially after making clothes too. Um, but those are such good tips. I feel like you need to write a tip book. Do you have a tip book? <laughs> I don't have a tip book. Maybe, maybe your next project in like, you know, the next quarantine, you can write a tip book. <laughs> in the next 20 years, or like the next 100 years, you'll have a Hopefully. tip book. But Hopefully we don't have another quarantine for a hundred years, but if we do, I won't live through this, through another <laughs> pandemic. Thank you very much. Oh, it's another podcast, but when we figure out how to live forever, we're going to have to write a lot of tip books for fashion. Oh, wow. Imagine. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time and all of your insight. And I hope we have you on many, many more segments with you on our, um, you know, sustainability and fashion awareness um thank you for creating a business and a career that has awareness as like a center point of your journey and i agree that i think together we can make authentic and effective changes to turn our dreams into reality for the good of all people on the planet so thank you well thank you for having me and much success into your podcast series and i look forward to listening to all of the other women that you're interviewing and having yes. conversations with yes you're the best thank you i'm so happy we did this you're the bomb you com. too I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of detached from what's cool right now. We're no longer cool. Oh. I am not on TikTok. I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to be, so I don't know. I downloaded TikTok, but I, I still have major, it took me long enough to learn Snapchat. Oh my God, we're officially old. Okay. But you know, know. The, one, the one, the one cool thing about getting older is that you get better if you're doing it right and you become more conscious and that <laughs> is something that we're both doing. So that's great. I agree. But, here's to becoming, yeah. here's to getting older. <laughs> like a fine wine. Thank you. Nothing in this podcast is a recommendation. Hey, all you sea stars, goddesses, naiads, and Neptunes, aka the paradisiacs who care about the important stuff. I hope you all found some inspiration today, and I hope to have your beautiful souls back for our next episode. This podcast supports a beautiful group of humans who gather on full moons, and to find a link for Howl and Heal, and for our website with these episodes, details, and blog, head to themelroshow.com. You can also connect with me on IG at Melrose Wild or at the Melrose Podcast. Again, this is Melrose. I hope after you listen to this conversation, you feel some magic brewing in your own destiny. Thank you for listening and please subscribe or follow us to get updates on new episodes. And if you love this podcast, the best compliment is to rate us with five stars and maybe leave a little love note about how this podcast might be helping you. Have a wonderful day and may the forces of wholeness and growth be with you all. All of this. <laughs>
totally get it. Yeah, no like, problem. Like a butler. Like a, I need a technology butler. <sighs> Seriously, don't we all? I need like a millennial that just like does it Instagram and like links it and tags and hashtags and like, oh, I can't. <laughs> it's hard. Like, like we, we're the last group of people who didn't grow up with cell phones. Like we got them in high school. I got mine in high school. My first one in high school. I had a pager. Like this exact, is. Exactly. Exactly. It's still hard. It still can be hard. Oh my God. It's hilarious. No, seriously. For me, it's like I get messages on Instagram, on WhatsApp, on text, and by email. So, oh my God. Totally. And Facebook, don't forget. Right. No, so I don't check Facebook or LinkedIn messages. For me, those like don't exist. Like you cannot get me ever if you send me a Facebook message or a LinkedIn message. But Mark, uh, I like your strategy. I mean, coño. It's crazy. And so the other day I had this girl reach out to me on Instagram, right? So then it goes into requests. So you can't, whatever, like it's crazy. So I'm like, I accept her request. I was like, hey, what's up? Send me an email at this email. And she's like, yeah, I'm sorry. We're not working with email right now via voice note. And I'm like, I'm so, okay. <laughs> like, how can You're I, like, but you like, reached you out to me. You want me to like have a coffee with you? I don't know who you are. <laughs> like, what the You're hell? like, but you reached out to me, you know? <laughs> yeah I don't get it and she was just like very like yeah we just we just really like to speak to people before we work with them and I was like work with them how like I just send me a freaking email please <laughs> I was like oh, no. oh that is so funny like that's a really good classic story to be like this is where the divide is those who will now won't be on email exactly like how are you not on email like if i don't know whatever it's crazy well, I, I, I mean i will i totally agree there's way too many ways of talking to people now you know like uh, what movie was it where she's like so he sends me uh a, a dm and then i and then i call him and then he emails me to tells me tell me to check my facebook to look at the event which is now streaming i like what no just can you call me on the phone or send me an email what one thing i remember that one yeah totally yeah i think that was in that movie um he's just not that into you oh my god i love that movie i know um, but you know i read what that I, book I mean, before i remember i remember oh, that before. i was listening to a podcast last week and the girls go the girls go that movie I want to kill that movie because the girl still ends up with the guy who was annoyed by her the whole time. Like somehow magically it's going to happen, you know, <laughs> like good point actually. Yeah. I never um, even thought about that. Yeah. I know that she was bringing up some very valid points and I was like, Darn it. they did it again. They, they bamboozled us.